Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who prefer the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Welcome aboard, fellow WNYXicans. I'm Thaddeus, and I am this episode's captain. I'm here with Seafarer Tom. Hello. And the unsinkable Lauren. Hello. Okay, this episode, Sinking Ship, is the second episode of our Everything Everywhere All at WNYX unit. So to get us started, Lauren is going to shove us off on this fantastic voyage with our Agent Zero Pew Pew plot synopsis. All right, come along and ride on this fantastic voyage. Sinking Ship was season four, episode 22. It originally aired on May 12th, 1998, which was a Tuesday. WNYX is reimagined aboard the Titanic. Captain Dave wants everyone to be on the lookout for icebergs, but the rest of the crew thinks he's just being paranoid. All Dave's warnings are for naught when the ship slash building actually does strike an iceberg and begins to sink. Bill is a bourgeois passenger who doesn't want to have to share cabin space with the riffraff from third class. He tries to get Captain Dave on his side by convincing him that third class passenger Walt is trying to woo lovely lady Lisa. In the end, none of it really matters as the ship sinks and nearly everyone drowns, leaving Matthew and Bill to decide whether or not to eat each other or risk starving to death. Excellent. And this is also an episode that uh, opens and closes with a Phil Hartman, uh, Phil Hartman character maybe, type of uh, speech to the audience. Indeed. All right. Uh, now, we've plotted a course through a few categories and games in which I, as captain, will navigate all answers and arguments in order to direct our coveted ABSA points to the absolutely most seaworthy. At the end of part A, I will announce one surviving contestant as king of the world and give them this podcast ABSA award for excellence in this episode. Do you need to laugh, Lauren? I do. <laughs> I'm trying not to say the quote. <laughs> I did debate going, King of the World! <laughs> so let's get everyone into the lifeboats for round one. Absa Fever. All right, round one, Absa Fever. We're going to start off with what scene would you show to a new person? And Lauren is going to go first today. So Lauren, what scene would you show to a new person? I would show them the scene where it's revealed Walt wants to sketch Lisa for her birthday present. Oh, and good. Bill and Dave come to the conclusion pretty quickly that it will be a nude portrait. <laughs> um, I think even for people who, even if you hadn't seen the movie Titanic, I think um, they're aware of the portrait scene. So I think this would clue a new person in right away that this is a spoof of Titanic and then they'd be all in. All right, I uh, I cannot disagree, and Titanic is large enough that you would think there'd be so, at least some idea of what's going on. Right. All right, good choice. Tom, what is a scene that you would show a new person? Uh, it would have to be Bill's entrance um, onto awesome. the ship uh, when he has the guys bring his luggage <laughs> in. Uh, it's, it's a lot of luggage. Um, 
And it just Bill's over the top, like kind of 1910 accent. Whatever whatever accent work he's doing is great. Yeah. I feel like it's maybe one of the funniest parts of the, the whole show. So that, that's the one I would show. All right, yeah, that is an excellent scene. It's an excellent <laughs> bill. Um, big fan. Why don't you bring a briefcase? <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, like, I don't want to spoil anything by getting into it too quick, so I'm sure we'll quote that uh, scene extensively. Um, Lauren, what is the second scene that you would show a new person? I am going to go with the scene with Dave, Jimmy, and Bill in the booth drinking cognac as the ship goes down. Excellent. It's got that really funny meta humor in there about, like, you know, we blew the budget on the break room scene. Um, I always enjoy meta humor. And um, I think if a new person enjoyed that as much as I do, then I know we're going to we're going to both really enjoy this episode together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't argue with that. That's that's a great way to cap off a very, very funny scene. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely on my list. Tom, what is a second scene that you would show to a new person? Uh, Probably the scene where everyone's in the water. Um, okay. Uh, after the ship has gone, the ship quote unquote, <laughs> uh, has has gone down. Um, just Dave has some good good stuff in there, just about wanting coffee, and um, you know we we get the scene with Bill and Matthew at the end, so that's kind of a fun callback <laughs> to space. So yeah, yes, yeah, the callback. Okay, uh, I am going to give that one to Tom. Uh, by an inch I do like them in the water uh, in the Walt sketch part it's very very funny but I do like that we get a couple more people involved uh, in the water <laughs> we get to see a little bit of everybody as they say goodbye excellent so we're going to move on to our next category which is what quote is most usable or you would want to use in real life so Tom you're going to go first what's a quote that you would uh, want to use in real life or you find very usable I guess I forgot this one was in there and I I can't believe I haven't used it in real life, but sorry doesn't feed the admiral's cat. <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree. Extremely usable. Uh, <laughs> extremely, extremely disorienting for anybody who has to hear it. But yes, that is a that's a good quote right there. Um, okay, uh, Lauren, what is a quote that you would want to use in real life? Oh, well, that one was definitely on my list. Um, I'm going to go with, great, now we're not just sinking, we're on fire. <laughs> and I think this is a great way to be over dramatic about it anytime things are starting to go just a little bit wrong. <laughs> like someone calls in sick at work, there's too much laundry at home. Great, now we're not just sinking, we're on fire. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Um, I'm trying to think, like, how would somebody react to that? I mean, like, <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> not in the fire, or will they catch a drift? Like, okay, okay. All right, Tom, what is the second quote that you find very usable you want to use? Uh, it's another Bill quote. Um, it just isn't done. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Especially with that pronunciation, yes. Okay, all right. Uh, Lauren, what is the second quote that you would like to use? I really like, yeah, I could go for a cold phosphate, I guess. (laughs) Anytime someone offers you a drink, it's a delightfully confusing response. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That is true. Lauren's Lauren's strategy for this is maximum vexation. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like... 
like, yeah. I, I was like, well, I, listen, I'm going to put it like, my number one is Swift Kick to the Gluteus Asimus. I don't know how. <laughs> like, I was waiting each time for that answer to actually come out. Like, come on. What are we, what are we doing here? Um, Tom actually was this round as well. Uh, the Admiral's Cat ranked very, very high for me. <laughs> yep. uh, just isn't done is always in there. And, and Cold Phosphate was kind of out of left field for me. Um, <laughs> I do not know if cold phosphate is delicious or not. Maybe that would change things. But Tom was his round. Uh, okay, so moving on to our next round. What gag or bit had the biggest impact on the episode? And we are going to go with Lauren first. I'm going to go with the gag of no one taking Dave seriously. I okay. think it had the biggest impact on the episode. And it's sort of a running gag through the series that no one ever takes him seriously or shows him much respect as the boss. Mm -hmm. um, he's always the one who's concerned about something and everyone's like, oh, lighten up. <laughs> um, and it, it never matters how many times he's been proven right. They just don't want to listen to him. And in this episode, the impact of the gag was that everyone died. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, big impact. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I do think that the iceberg deniers are uh, a key part of, <laughs> of the episode as far as the gag goes. Uh, <laughs> Radio did it first. Flat Earthers of the North Atlantic. <laughs> exactly. This is the precursor. Uh, all right, Tom. What gag or bit did you think had the biggest impact on the episode? Well, I would say that all the work with the water, um, starting with, you know with Joe mm. in the break room and Walt, uh, and then obviously at the at the end where you get the scene with you know everybody in the water. I, yeah. I feel like they they kind of mined that for all it was worth. Okay, um, I'm gonna give this one the tie. Uh, I, I do like Tom. There's more incidences with the water, you know, we, like Joe, like three times I think Joe is messing with the leaks. Yeah. You know, we get all that going. Uh, but I do like the iceberg denier, and I also like the phrase iceberg denier. Uh, so this is going to be the tie category for us uh, that we just kind of stretch across the board. All right, excellent answers, good bits. Can't wait to talk about all the other things in this episode. Uh, moving on. Uh, Tom is going to go first, and he's going to tell us what he thinks the coolest detail in the episode, a nice, adequate touch was. So, Tom, what did you think uh, the coolest detail um, was? It was when the the station hits the iceberg, and Matthew and Dave okay. are in the, the news booth, and they both jump onto the table and, and over it to <laughs> to simulate the, yeah. you know, and it had to be timed. They, they, it was pretty simultaneous, so it was... Uh, it was I thought that was a nice, mm, nice point. stunt. Which, um, you know, usually it's only Matthew doing that, but Dave, Dave did a good job too. Yeah, good point. And I did notice the jump. Like there was something about the way yeah. they jumped that that I did catch my attention. <laughs> I liked. All right, excellent. Okay, Lauren, what did you think the coolest detail in the episode was? Um, mine is also kind of a stunt. Um, I like the way all the furniture slides in the bullpen oh, okay. when the ship is supposedly like breaking apart. Um, I thought it was a really great practical effect and looked very realistic, but also the way Dave and Lisa don't stop bickering even long <laughs> yes. enough to acknowledge that yeah. it's happening. They just slide right along with it. <laughs> was the That was the nice touch for me. <laughs> okay. That is a nice touch. I feel like it's disjointed, though. I feel like it's in two different shots, if that makes sense. Um, like, there's one... I feel like the camera kind of changes, and I, I get a little bit lost. Tom gets the edge again. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so we're going to move on to our next category, which is the best episode enigma. What was something you found vexing and unanswerable, or at least one of the two? And Lauren's going to go first. 
Okay. I want to know what part of the ship is the this floor of the office supposed to represent? Okay. Because we've got Dave's office, which seems to be the ship's helm, right? He's got the helmsman there yeah. and the sh- and the big big wheel. Um, Joe comes up to the bullpen with the excuse that he gets claustrophobic below deck, which would seem to imply that the 14th floor that they're on is the deck. Mm. Okay. okay. But then Jimmy says he's trying to get with that Molly Brown chick from upstairs, which would lead me to believe that they're somewhere in the middle of the ship. Walt drowns in the break room after saying he thinks he should come back up. So that means the break room has somehow been relocated to a lower level than the rest of the floor. Where are they in this cruise liner is my question. All right. I think those are all excellent points. I did not consider the the physical layout of the ship. Um, so slash that, building. <laughs> slash building, yes. Uh, like, right, is the problem. Is the building turned on its side? Is it like the, the boiler room is the bathroom, which is right outside the... Right, so... Right, what is the physical layout? Who drew these blueprints <laughs> for this fantasy? Obviously, episode? Joe. <laughs> uh, no, obviously, yes. <laughs> He's the only one who actually knows how to get around. All right, Tom, uh, what was your best episode enigma? Why does Dave put Matthew as the lookout? Um, if he's if he's worried about uh, icebergs, which he clearly is, and justifiably so, why would you put the worst possible person to be the lookout? Why not just have Walt? Walt's obviously has no problem being outside. <laughs> so, and, and, and additionally, this will also keep Walt away from Lisa. So, Excellent. Okay. I kind of have a question about that later as well. Um, but I do like that that Lauren was ready to draw a new blueprint <laughs> of what the ship must have looked like. So I am going to slide that that into her category. But yeah, we definitely have to talk about why Matthew was on lookout duty at all. What are the possible reasons? Um, okay, keepsakes. Bill, I stole your cane. Keepsakes, what item would you take from the set or episode to display or wear? Tom, you're going first on this one. Uh, I've... The after the namesake of this um, category, I gotta go with Bill's cane because it's it's and yet mm. another time that he has a cane. I gotta go with Bill's cane. Nice. All right. I also noted the cane in this. Uh, the canes, I should say, yep. in this episode. Canes. Multiple yes, canes. Multiple canes. <laughs> All right. And Lauren, what is one of your keepsakes? Um, I'm gonna go with the Cour de la Mer, and I'm not gonna throw Ooh. it in the ocean. That is pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Looking for the biggest blue diamond in the world? Yeah, Why not? <laughs> worth holding on to, I would think. <laughs> okay, Tom, what is the uh, second item that you would take and keep? Um, when Bill enters, there's a desk in the foreground. And on top of that desk, there's like a decanter. And it's very ornate. Um, and it, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but um, maybe it's ceramic. But it really looks cool. I think that would be an awesome piece, even just to display. You wouldn't have to put anything in it necessarily. Okay. I didn't notice that the canter as well. Excellent. <laughs> Things that would look excellent in the display cave. <laughs> um, Lauren, what is the second item that you would keep? I want one of the WNYX life preservers. Mm. Hanging on the wall, you know, much as it was hanging there on the wall right where... Uh, Matthew was saved, coming back Oof. in the, the window by the smoking area. 
All right. So now this one is really tough. This is the one I should have saved the tie for, I think, because, like, <laughs> those are all on, on my list, potentially. Oof. All right, I'm giving this one. Ah, the WNYX Life Preserver was number one, so that is going to put it in Lauren's favor. And I think we are essentially tied. <laughs> it's going into the last category of the Absa Fever round. So our Absa Fever is going to conclude here with our MVP runner-up. Lauren, who did you have as the MVP or runner-up for this episode? I have Dave as my MVP. Okay. And Tom, who did you have as the MVP of this episode? I have Bill as the MVP. Excellent choices. So, Lauren, you are going to tell us why Dave is the MVP of this episode, and you're going to go first. Dave is the MVP because he has to walk the line between playing sort of the sensible Dave Nelson character, who's always worried about the station, even when no one else is, and then he's also playing the complete other character, you know, this sort of, like, over-the-top... Um, period sort of centric captain okay. who who pretty easily agrees with bill which you know <laughs> dave nelson would not do you know that so that's out of the dave nelson character but he's still playing the dave nelson character and he has to be able to he has to be able to sell being a reasonable level-headed boss and also be able to sell attempting to murder walt for steaming up the booth of lisa <laughs> and i think he, he balanced the two sides really well okay Okay, I like uh, I like the reference to the murder, almost murder attempt. <laughs> Favorite part for me. Um, Tom, why don't you tell me why Bill is the MVP of this episode? Uh, Bill's the MVP because he just gets almost all the funniest lines. I, I've outlined a couple of them before. There are more that we'll probably get into later. Um, he really brings the comedy. The accent is the work is great. Um, so that's why I picked him. Also, he was nearly an accessory to murder. So that's <laughs> by providing the firearm, uh, you know. So there you go. I wasn't was sure, but that reference to murder seems to add another point to the score. Like, here we go. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think it's, um, I think they're both good arguments, obviously. I think. Lauren hit on the fact that Dave kind of plays himself, but kind of doesn't play himself. Uh, Bill, on the other hand, steals the scene every scene, and I am going to give that one to Tom. So, that completes our Abza Fever round. And while I tally up the score, Lauren is going to give you the Freakzilla report. Straight from the message boards, all the best and worst reactions to this episode at the time that it aired. The Hoodoo Factory is brought to you by... Agent Zero. This summer, one man had danger brought to his doorstep and no way out. Agent Zero. So, as noted in the last episode, fans did not really appreciate the space episode. Hmm. I think it caught them off guard. In contrast, the fans were prepared for the season finale this time around, and the reviews on the message board were widely positive. Awesome. So, yay. <laughs> um, many people, our friend Tavy included, thought Dave looked great in his captain's uniform. Mm -hmm. Tavy also liked the coffee joke at the end, as well as the king of the world-itis bit. <laughs> um, although she, she thought that felt like more of a Jimmy line, and, and since I've read that, I'm like, yeah, I, I can't stop thinking about <laughs> yeah. it. That's a total yeah. Jimmy line. <laughs> 
someone named Adora96 really loved Jimmy's taste in fine art as well as his comments of crap and double crap regarding the art he didn't like. <laughs> um, a couple other favorite jokes were Dave's not here, man. And uh, they blew most of the special effects budget on the break room scene. <laughs> People really missed Vicki Lewis in this episode. Her absence would not have gone unnoticed even if they hadn't addressed it directly in the ending scene of the episode. Um, and speaking of which, people really seem to enjoy the breaking of the fourth wall this time around. They did not like that with okay. space. This time, they appreciated it. Um, so the bit with Phil Hartman speaking directly to the camera got a lukewarm reception at best during space, but in Sinking Ship, fans really enjoyed it and especially liked how so many of the other cast members joined in at the end. Alright. And that has been the Freakzilla Report. Alright. Uh, that was an excellent Freakzilla Report. And so going into the second and final round, Tom is leading Lauren by a score of 5-3. to three. So round two, aka the Marty Party, is our version of Buy or Sell. As we all know, a good Marty party does not an absent make, but only one will win the award, and the other will get a swift kick in their gluteus asimus. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so round two, is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective? Our version of buy or sell is called real deal or McNeil perspective. In this game, contestants will get a statement to either buy as the real deal or sell as the McNeil perspective. The next contestant will argue the opposite side and everyone will score points by making good points in their answers. So Tom is going to go first. Um, and our first statement is Dave was already planning to give Lisa the biggest blue diamond in the world as a birthday present before he heard Walt's plan to artistically paint Lisa. Is that the real deal or the McNeil perspective? I gotta go with this as the real deal. Uh, reason being, the Cour de la Mer is not just available at your ship's uh, gift shop, generally <laughs> speaking. Um, and he has about 15 minutes to come up with this from the time that he learns about the artistic drawing to, to actually giving Lisa this item. Uh, so... Okay. That would be my biggest contention is that he just doesn't have enough time to do it without pre planning it beforehand because, like I said, you can't just get it anywhere and probably right. you wouldn't have enough cash on you to to purchase right. it anyway. He's a ship's it's, captain, so... Right. Hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, Lauren, can you tell me why Dave already planning to give Lisa the biggest blue diamond in the world as a birthday present before he heard Walt's plan to artistically paint Lisa? Can you tell me why that is the McNeil perspective? That is the McNeil perspective because I don't think Dave even remembered it was Lisa's birthday before Matthew said something. Interesting. Once he realized it was her birthday, he might have planned to get her something. But once he heard about the artistic portrait, then he knew he had to up his game. And I think he went uh, raiding the coffers of the ship. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Okay. All right. Moving on to our next statement, number two. Uh, and we're going to start with Lauren on this one. If Walt and Lisa had actually been steaming up the booth... <laughs> Dave would have shot Walt. Is that the real deal or the McNeil perspective? I'm going to go with the McNeil perspective. Bold. I think he might have threatened Walt or maybe challenged him to a duel. 
-hmm. I don't think he would have gone straight to cold-blooded murder. Also, I think Captain Dave is a man of honor, and he wouldn't have shot a man with his pants down. (laughs) (laughs) So, for all of our listeners that have ever pictured Walt with his pants down... Lauren just walked us right into this one. <laughs> I hope you enjoy that mental image. <laughs> Negative points. Okay. <laughs> okay, Tom, can you tell me uh, if Walt and Lisa had actually been steaming up the booth, Dave would have shot Walt. Tell me why that is the real deal. Uh, this is the real deal. Obviously, we're we're dealing with somebody who who took a gun knowing what he was going to do with it walked in was about to go into the booth uh to shoot Walt there's no other reason to take the gun if you're not going to do that so um i think he would have told him to pull his pants up and then shot him <laughs> <laughs> it's pesky pants again <laughs> okay okay good arguments all right moving on to number 3 Tom's going to go first. When Bill insists that Walt not come back up without a soda, he is deliberately trying to drown Walt to protect Dave. Is this the real deal or the McNeil perspective? Uh, This is the McNeil perspective. I think Bill just really wants a soda, and he doesn't care really about (laughs) Walt's um, being in peril. He's he's more worried about getting the soda. I don't I don't think Dave is as high on his list as, as he seems. I think without Dave being there t- and him currying favor with Dave directly, he's he's not as worried about that. Okay, he's just really really thirsty. Ironically, <laughs> okay. Um, Lauren, why don't you tell me why this is the the real deal? This is the real deal. Just look at the smile on his face when the water bubbles up out of the tube. He yep. thinks of Walt as less than. He doesn't respect him as a person and certainly doesn't care about his well-being. There is an element of wanting to protect Dave's honor there, too, because he sees Dave as the same social class as himself. Right. So he saw this as an opportunity to get Walt out of the way, help solve Dave's problem, and maybe get himself a soda. Maybe not. But ultimately... The goal was to kill Walt. Okay. It seems like all the pieces came together. Something bad <laughs> happens to Walt. I don't like it any more than you do. <laughs> but yeah, is Bill responsible? Was Bill intentional? Okay. Uh, moving on to number four. So, quick vocab note. Uh, anachronisms are things that don't belong in a certain time period or setting. So, for example, uh, a disposable Starbucks cup in a Game of Thrones episode? Anachronism. Or... <laughs> Uh, radio stations didn't exist until almost 10 years after the Titanic sank. Anachronism. <laughs> so, question number four, uh, going to Lauren first. Joe overall provides the most anachronistic aspects in the episode. Is that the real deal or the McNeil perspective? That is the real deal. He's talking about using duct tape which wasn't invented until 31 years after the Titanic sank. Mm -hmm. He's talking about radar, which wouldn't come around for another 23 years. Joe is the anachronism. Send in the legends of tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, wait, that's a different podcast. Different show. Never mind. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to have to Captain Cold that a little bit right now. Let's let's give Tom a chance to answer this question, huh? Uh, So, Tom. Joe overall provides the most anachronistic aspects in the episode. Please tell me why this is the McNeil perspective. 
This is the McNeil perspective. The biggest anachronism in this episode is the humidifier that is used by Matthew. <laughs> Humidifiers weren't patented or invented until 1962, okay. so that would be 50. 51 years after uh, the Titanic sank, um, which is even farther down the road than than either radar, which was um, theorized at that at the time that the Titanic went down. It had been theorized for 30 years prior, um, so that was in the wind. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Joe's not 30, so plot hole, <laughs> plot. <laughs> All right, excellent. Um, you know, I thought you know, I thought things like Matthew's uniform might get brought up or. You know, some of the other stuff. But, yes, the humidifier was absolutely a real big one. Like, <laughs> I don't I, like, I don't even know what they would have done back then in those times. But it was not steam up the booth with a humidifier. <laughs> Brain leeches? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. So, for our, our final statement of our Marty party. Uh, five. Dave suffers the most embarrassment during the episode. And, Tom, you're going to tell me if this is the real deal or the McNeil perspective. I'm going to say this is the McNeil perspective. I believe that the person that suffers the most embarrassment in this episode is Joe. Because Joe makes assurances that uh, his duct tape over steel is is a way better way to go. Joe winds up having to try to reapply the duct tape to seal the leaks. It doesn't doesn't happen, and Joe drowns fairly early. Um, I, I, I think Joe's embarrassment is actually greater than Dave's in this case. Okay. More Joe than Dave. Uh, Lauren, <laughs> why don't you tell me why it's the real deal that Dave suffers the most embarrassment during the episode? It's the real deal because his reputation is indelibly besmirched by Walt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no one respects him as the captain. Everyone makes fun of his iceberg warnings, and they don't even bother to apologize or admit he was right <laughs> when they do crash into an iceberg. Dave gets no respect, no respect at all. It's Dave all the way. Okay. This is true. Nobody does acknowledge that he was correct. They just fly right past it like a big bird. (laughs) I'm no scientist. I'm going to take the fact that Lauren laughed at my joke into account when I do scores. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Those are some excellent arguments from both contestants. Before I announce the winner, we're going to have a little general discussion about the cast in this episode. Um, So we want to pull out at least two things that we wanted to mention about the cast that we have not gotten to already. Um, Tom, why don't you go first? What's one of the things that you want to bring up about the cast in this episode? Um, You know, just, again, this is is kind of a tough episode because it's Phil Hartman's last one. Um, Mm, But he really does manage to, I I feel like he really carried it. um, And his performance was great. Um, Looked good. It's always a little bittersweet to watch this one. Yes. you know, so it's a little, it's, it's easier than watching Bill Moves On, but it's still um, just, you know, I thought Phil Hartman did a great job in it. Yeah, and I agree. Like, when I was watching it, I just kept on thinking about how it was the last uh, last episode of the season, and, you know, Bill Moves On would be the next episode. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Bill Bill puts on a great performance, uh, and, you know, it's, it's great to see him like that way, but it is a little bit sad because we know it's around the corner. So, all right, great. Uh, Lauren, what's something you want to point out about the, the cast? Um, I also had a, a Phil Hartman comment, just that his his performance was really great, um, and I thought I thought it helped that the character they designed for him, while it's supposed mm-hmm. to be like an extreme version of his character, it was really perfectly tailored to 
the Bill McNeil character, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it really worked. Um, yeah. But I thought he played that snobby aristocrat <laughs> perfectly. Um, and it wasn't just like his line readings or his mannerisms, but it was even the way like he held himself. Like he, I felt like mm. he stood a little straighter and puffed out mm. his chest a little bit. And it was just over, everything about it was a great performance. Um, yeah. I, I thought he did a really great job. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. In a weird way, he he's probably the most natural fit into a a, a regular period piece, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> even if he doesn't change his performance that much, like I could definitely see that in more of a dramatic type of role. So that's mm-hmm. it's good. It's good to make sure we're giving him his flowers. Um, uh, so I want to point out, I thought it was a pretty good Matthew episode. Um, he got a lot of of good jokes. You know, like we get some jokes, but I felt like he had a lot of good jokes. Jokes I thought were really really funny and. Uh, you know, we really kind of played it up, and we got that Dave Matthew kind of back and forth that uh, that we enjoy in some of the other episodes. So, uh, for me, I, I did want to note that Matthew Andy Dick did a good job in this episode. Yeah, um, I agree. Good. Had that good, <laughs> like, had that good jump. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I just want to start quoting on the Matthew parts. Like, we'll, we'll save that. I'm tempted. Two. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so, so Tom, what was another thing you wanted to mention about the cast? Something noticed. Um, just that uh, it, it seemed like uh, Lisa and Matthew kind of stayed the truest to their character. Mm. Uh, maybe Joe, to Joe as well, kind of truest from like our normal uh, episodes into yeah. this, whereas there was kind of a little more of a departure for some of the other characters. But um, they, they did a really good job of translating them into this Titanic verse. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great observation. Um, yeah, Lisa definitely kind of seems I, to me the same old Lisa, just in a old timey dress, uh, and, and Matthew is just doing Matthew. So <laughs> definitely, definitely recognize them right away. No real curveballs there. Uh, Lauren, what's a, another comment you had on the cast? Really, just about like the the performance they had to do. That the amount of swimming the cast had to do in this episode gives me so much anxiety (laughs) like I have a real fear of water I almost drowned as a kid and I like I can't watch movies that I know will have a lot of underwater scenes or someone trapped underwater I just won't do it and like that last scene of Walt where the water is like up to his chin stresses me out Mm. and the way Dave just disappears at the end and then we never see him again (laughs) stresses me out um I just wonder like how the actors felt about having to do so much work in the water like that Mm -hmm. that was not a normal work day for them (laughs) yeah Yeah, I kind of felt the same like when they're in um uh when Joe and Jimmy are in the break room and he sits down at the table and like Joe like dives (laughs) under and I was just like man like like I, I don't like, like, I used to coach in the rain, you know, Fridays and Saturdays, it's raining out. You just get soaked. I hated it. I just hated it. <laughs> like, I can't imagine going to set and just having to be wet, you know, for hours while they get those scenes in. Just no thank you. And in those clothes, the clothes right. got to get heavy. Heavy, yeah. heavy clothes, yeah. yeah that <laughs> and like again, wool stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, and uh, and they can't wear, um, like, wetsuits underneath. Like, I was saying, like, Matthew in the white suit, when he comes up, like, no, he, he got soaked. Like, there's no way to kind of fake that right there. Right. Uh, where, you know, I'm sure Jimmy had, like, a wetsuit under the tux when he floats by at the end. And, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe Bill had something on under. Like, I know I would. That's all I could say. <laughs> but, yeah, a lot of water. Uh, and I definitely did think about how the cast was going to deal with that. I, I wouldn't enjoy it. I know that. No. It's hard to watch. <laughs> Um, all right, so I just want to bring up, I, I wish that Walt had more to do because I thought his story with Lisa and Bill was really interesting. You know, like, uh, like 
he in a weird way he doesn't play anything like he's just kind of this handsome guy uh but lisa plays it up and then bill plays it up and then dave kind of gets caught up in it and it's like i wish there was just like one or two more scenes with walt where we got a little taste of walt or he was able to kind of show his stuff a little bit uh because i like him so much in this episode you know he's a great Mm -hmm. foil uh you you can't really hate him you know that's yeah that's kind of the the fun of the conflict that he creates um so yeah my my second thing i really noticed was just that you know i I wanted walt to have more to do i thought it was really interesting uh, to have him in there and (laughs) i love when lisa giggles at the beginning (laughs) so good so good um all right did anybody have any other comments anything else they want to point out about the cast at this point that's it from me um just you know kind of mrs vicky lewis that is that is definitely true um yeah it really takes away and obviously not having candy in the cast anymore by this point um you know both of those are are definitely missed it seems a little lopsided yeah i did i did know again this is another lisa's (laughs) the only one in the office episode uh so only few in the office episode but that wasn't the focus of it but uh, you know i I think it did affect the humor I, i don't think that she got uh, like a good scene to shine in because she had to play off of all the <laughs> all these guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, but that's a good note. Um, I, I do agree. It is something that that is noticeable as you watch the episode as a fan. All right, uh, we're going to go to our our next category, which is added scenes, something on the fly. Uh, what is a scene that you would have liked to have added to this episode, uh, Lauren? What is it, something on the fly from you? I would have liked to see a scene where the orchestra is still playing while the ship goes down. Oh, okay. Um, But the song is too sad and dour. And so Jimmy comes in and asks them if they can play something a little more upbeat to keep the passengers' spirits up as they're loading into the lifeboats. And then the orchestra, like, regroups, and then they start playing, you know, Rump Shaker or some reasonable facsimile. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. (laughs) That would have been really good, yeah. (laughs) That would have been the biggest anachronism. (laughs) <laughs> that's right then we could change our answer <laughs> yeah. I gotta rewrite that question um, alright uh, Tom what is an added scene that you would have liked to have seen well I, I actually just came up with this one because okay. of Lauren's comment um, I, I would have liked to have seen the uh, heist scene where uh, Dave Dave gets all the money for it to buy the Cour de la Mer okay <laughs> And him coming up with probably like flip sheets and and you know directing everybody how what they have to do to get get to, into the vault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's very stern in this episode. So seeing him kind of stress out about it would have been really good. Let's see how that goes. All right. Uh, so the scene that I thought would have been funny to add um, would be one of Dave trying to paint a picture of Lisa, and it's horrible. Like I don't know if it's funnier to see it or to not see it. But everybody who comes into the office as he's trying to do it comments on how bad it is. Um, and then Walt comes in and is trying to give him, like, earnest artistic advice. <laughs> he doesn't recognize it's supposed to be Lisa, so he's trying to help him. So you get that whole thing of, like, Dave trying to outpaint Walt, but Walt is actually being nice to him. Uh, and then when everybody leaves, Dave just looks at it, walks over his desk, and pulls out the diamond. <laughs> uh, I thought that'd be a good way to to do through, but uh, I really wanted to see I really wanted to see something between like Dave and Walt again. Like we really like Walt, so I mm-hmm. wanted to see where Dave has to hate him. But it's like, how do you hate this guy that's trying to help you out? 
Sure. Um, <laughs> any any scenario with that I think would have worked, but I, I think Dave trying to paint a terrible picture and everybody commenting on it would have been really good <laughs> just on its own. Right. <laughs> All right, Lauren, did you have another scene? Um, I have one more. I want to see the scene of Bill getting into the lifeboat. <laughs> You know, because okay. we see him run off towards <laughs> yeah. the lifeboats, but we never see him actually get in. So I want to see that scene. I am, I'd imagine he would have evicted some other passenger he deemed lower class or something and taken <laughs> like taken their seat because it seemed like a better seat and probably would have demanded someone like jump into the wreckage to try to find him a soda. And uh, I think he would have just been it would have just been a scene of Bill trying to assert his superiority to everyone right up until the last bit of the lifeboat went under, you know, and then he's like, ah, oh, dang, now I, now I got to go find somewhere else else to be superior and that's when he finds the desk <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been a nice, nice little kind of in between right there <laughs> all right all right tom do you have another uh, scene to add uh yeah uh, kind of a montage of just matthew falling over over and overboard over and over and dave just kind of walking flinging the life ring in and <laughs> just like shaking his head <laughs> He does such a great job of, of seeming just, you know, exasperated when he does it's it. It's so casual. Like, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, he, he's done it so many times. Joke is running up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, seeing him fall off in, like, different situations or, or whatever. Like, look, a bird. He falls off. Uh, you know, like, is that a mermaid? Falls off. Like, all the different ways it could go over the top, I think. That would be really, really funny. Nice. Nice. Okay. So, um, I do not have another scene. We'll just... We uh, we got a, too many good ones as it is. All right. So, after combining the scores from our Abs of Fever and Marty Party rounds, the power invested in me, I declare Tom to be today's Absa Award winner. Tom, what would you like to tell your adoring fans? I'm not sure what to do with my hands. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say. Holy cow. It's, it's been a long time coming, but uh, thanks to my, you know, my coaches, my managers, um, my agent uh, and, and everybody at the, at the agency. Thank you. Um, and, and to God, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. doesn't get better than thanking God people. That is, that is how it's done. <laughs> We hope you'll join us for more scuttlebutt about the episode in part B. Until then, thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. Good night, pumpkin. I salute you. This is quite the scheme. Fanny hose. Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at hoodoo underscore factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Please stop by our gift shop at grabitgear.com. And remember, the Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for Absa fever.